0: So Money Episode Nine Sixty Six. Doctor Valerie Rain, psychologist and author of Patriarchy Stress Disorder: The Invisible Inner Barrier to Women's Happiness and Fulfillment.
1: You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a thirty-minute
0: dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money.
1: And now we have scientific evidence that trauma is genetically transmitted. So we have actually inherited in our DNA that story that it's not safe. For a woman to be visible, to be powerful, to be financially independent.
0: Have you ever felt yourself hesitating to lean in and play big, to ask for what you're worth, to be financially ambitious? My guest today says she knows why. Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm your host, Farnush Tarabi. Dr. Valerie Rain is here. She has spent years working with high-achieving women, women who want to have it all and thrive. But what she discovered in these women, and eventually in herself, is that often when we're getting ready to soar, our nervous system tends to hold us back, signaling to ourselves that we're not safe. She's named this response PSD. Patriarchy Stress Disorder. And through her research and over 20,000 hours as a therapist and coach, she's created a process and book to help break through it. Here's Dr. Valerie. Dr. Valerie Rain, welcome to So Money. Thank you. It's a thrill to be here, Parnoosh. You have kind of come up with your own explanation for why so many women have experienced stress and you're calling it the Patriarchy Stress Disorder. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) <laughs> yes, <laughs> the invisible inner barrier to women's happiness and fulfillment. Tell us about what you mean by patriarchy stress disorder.
1: Yeah, it well it's uh, quite simple. Women have been oppressed for thousands of years, which means we have been under severe stress for millennia. We didn't have uh, ownership of our own bodies, our own decisions, our own money. And all these changes are fairly recent, you know, such as the right um, to own our money and make our money. It's just a few generations deep. And now we have scientific evidence that trauma is genetically transmitted. So we have actually inherited in our DNA that story that it's not safe for a woman to be visible, to be powerful. To be financially independent, to love who she loves, and that story wrecks havoc. And um, we don't know how it operates. If we if we're not aware, it can really sabotage our best efforts in uh, in the money domain, in the love domain, career domain, health. Certainly,
0: there are a lot of reasons why women. Are not as financially stable. We talk a lot about kind of the wealth gap, right, between men and women. Mm -hmm. And we often cite things like the wage gap and the investing gap and the fact that, you know, women are living longer than men and the money is just not being stretched out further enough for us and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's also the confidence gap, which it sounds like that might be where it opens the discussion now for this trauma that you're talking about. What are the Im- What is the impact of the trauma? How do you see it playing out? And how much of an impact is it really having on our underlying challenges with becoming financially independent?
1: Mm. I see it as a really big uh, hidden part of everything that we're trying to do. And we're thinking that something's wrong with us when we're not achieving what we are setting out to achieve or like confidence. Oh, I just got to work on my mindset. I just got to work on my confidence. But it's just like rearranging chairs on on the Titanic because the, the depth of the iceberg is this trauma that is lodged in the nervous system. That is the story that's woven into the DNA that is telling us it's not safe to be in the spotlight. You'll be burned at the stake. Of course, nobody thinks that way consciously, but it operates from our subconscious. And now we know from neuroscience that action precedes reflection. That is, our subconscious is driving that bus. We're making decisions subconsciously, and our subconscious wants to keep us safe. So conscious mind later on explains it, it it produces thoughts that, you know, have to do with the inner the critic, or, you know, I'm not going to get it anyway, why try? But it's our subconscious that's operating and creating that confidence gap. It's just trying to keep us safe.
0: Yeah, yeah, of course. The world's a scary place still.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and, and our biology hasn't caught up with the current reality.
0: I've read that with trauma, especially for women, one of the he- ways to heal and kind of work through it is exercise. Mm
1: -hmm. Have you found that as well? Yeah, specific. Well, um, I'm going to put it this way. Trauma work always involves the body, the trauma work that actually works. It's a mind-body process. So there are specific practices that release trauma from from the body, from uh, where it's held. And because it's in the subconscious, right? What is the subconscious? The subconscious mind is the body. That's where it expresses. That's how we find our ways into healing by following the messages and signals of the body. Um, There are so many messages and signals of the body that we receive all the time, anything ranging from muscle tension, Autoimmune disease is a big messenger, adrenal fatigue, right? It's all messaging that, gosh, there's something so, so, so wrong and we need to hear it and go underneath and heal the underlying cause. And it's not only the medical path, right? That's going to take us there.
0: Yeah. You have talked about how your methods kind of go outside of the traditional norms of therapy. So how do you really help your clients? Let's use an example. Let's say someone is going through a lot of stress and perhaps it's also correlated to their finances or it's impacting their finances. Where do you begin to unpack Mm -hmm. this for them?
1: hmm. Well, women typically find my work after they've already been on this journey of rediscovering themselves. These are usually women who have accomplished a lot and checked off all the boxes. And I'm one of those women. That's how I got on this path. And the boxes that were supposed to make us happy and fulfilled boxes of marriage and motherhood and successful careers only to discover at some point through some kind of a crisis usually either in their health or in their relationship in their finances and that crisis creates that crack in the perfect facade and the woman starts to feel for the first time that maybe oh my gosh maybe I'm not that happy and fulfilled and she gets on on this journey of discovering who she truly is because she realizes she has somehow disconnected from that. And so this is where we begin our work together. We begin, first of all, well, I have a five-step system. (laughs) And the first step, I call it waking up in prison. We look at everything that she thinks is wrong with her and we, we recognize that this is actually trauma that she's inherited and experienced in her lifetime that is creating this invisible inner prison that is preventing her from feeling truly happy and fulfilled. And it's not her fault. There is nothing wrong with her. She's not broken. And then we go from there.
0: So this begs the question, if life is really a series of decisions that you make, mm-hmm. I believe that. I believe that. I mean, there's obviously external factors that we can't control and mm-hmm. there are certain things that aren't our fault, but in life you reach cross points and you have mm-hmm. to go either in this direction or that direction or stay put. And we think we hope that we're making the best decisions we can at the time, but there's something to be said about healthy decision making too, right? Mm-hmm. How do you recommend women and men like kind of assess their choices because I have a friend for example who I would I would speak for her and say she's living in a prison right now. She's in a relationship with many children, not working, feeling trapped. Um, I think she needs an outlet. I think she needs a lot of support. She's not giving it to herself. She almost feels like to your point, you know, if she's living in this patriarchy that she has to sort of be the good wife and the good mom. And that comes with Mm. sacrifice and it has to be hard in order for it to be meaningful. Yeah. So how do you get out of that cycle? I feel like it started for her years ago when she was starting to make decisions and building her life, you know, because at the end of the day, let's also remember she's a white woman, educated, resourced. She didn't Mm -hmm. arrive in this world challenged in in, in the way many other people are. Like she had the ability to make better choices and she didn't. So what went wrong Mm -hmm. and what would you, if you could go back in time, what would you Mm -hmm. have told that person?
1: Yeah that's such a great question for um ah, and this is the heartbreaking um reality of this uh, patriarchal trauma because yes she came in with a lot of resources a lot of privilege a lot of opportunity but she's making choices that are limiting her as a as a human being or or that that's that's what we we believe right but let, let's let's suppose that it's true and she has a lot more to experience as a human being and offer to the world and her life could be unfurled in magnificent ways. And so the decisions come from the subconscious and then the conscious mind just rationalizes them. And if we are locked in this trauma and we're living by this programming when we have not woken up to that yet, um, we can make decisions that are bad for us like one of my clients uh, came to me because she really wanted to meet her um her match she felt it was on her list type a (laughs) um to uh to find a partner and she had been dating guys that were just not not a good match for her uh, a series of Heartbreak and at work, also, she was being undervalued, underpaid, overworked. And there is a parallel because subconsciously, her feeling of her worth was that her choices reflected her worth, right? Her subconscious beliefs about her worth. Consciously, she knew she had great education, she had a lot to offer. But her subconscious was dictating those choices. And once we started working on uncovering that, making the invisible visible so that she could do the impossible, uh, everything started to change. Her her next relationship who came in and she then had to work to actually adjust to receiving so much love, so much adoration, so much respect because her subconscious still wanted to sabotage that. And her, her work situation also changed.
0: It sounds like you have to just really believe that you're worth it, right? That you deserve better.
1: Yeah, you have to feel it. This is where working with the mind alone doesn't cut deep enough. Because there are a lot of women who um, who have done their mindset work and they're just slaying it. They're very successful. And then they come down with adrenal fatigue or a relationship falls apart or they cannot find a partner who they're genuinely happy with, or there is this deadness in their life. They feel like a dead woman walking. They can't feel and they want to feel happy and fulfilled and free. And, and that, that's where it goes deeper than thinking and belief. It goes into our DNA, into our nervous system. We need to genuinely feel safe in the world and feel that we are worthy, but it's not an intellectual thing. It is really a mind-body process.
0: I'll tell you what helps me feel safe in the world is having money in the bank. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's I mean, it sounds super, point. I don't know, maybe that sounds um, superficial to some people. I know we talk a lot about recession right now. We're talking a lot about, we hear a lot about divorce and and I just feel as though more money is more money is <laughs> right. all the better when you're a woman, especially because, um, it's, you know, life's harder for us in many ways.
1: Yeah. I, I agree with you. Couldn't agree more. I know it's so important, such a huge part of healing from patriarchy and this reclamation is empowering ourselves with financial resources. And I actually quoted your book in my book, uh, on, oh my on this point. Yeah, your book really inspired my work in many ways. And in your book, you talked about how women compensate, women who make more, your book, When She Makes More. Mm, yes. Uh, they end up doing more housework. More. <laughs> exactly. And, and that compensation is driven by PSD, by patriarchal Stress Disorder, because um, is already playing in the area where it's been uh, traditionally uh, or historically unsafe for a woman uh, to be earning more. So she needs to compensate to kind of keep it, herself safe. Again, she doesn't think that way. It's subconscious. Right. It's, like not no, it's, exactly. it's not intellectual.
0: No, it's it's not. There is I've, a hundred. I wish I interviewed you for my book. Actually, all those years ago, I talked to a number of behavioral economists. It would have been amazing to have connected with you. I think you would I mean, to have to have this context is gold because now even after I've written the book, I'm I'm still learning about what are the the underlying forces, and why are we having such a hard time dealing yeah. with women coming into their own, having money in some cases being the breadwinner, like who cares? why should it matter mm-hmm. like the intelligent brain gets it, but mm-hmm. to your point, it's all this passed down trauma this we have a word for it now, a patriarchy stress disorder, my goodness quite a breakthrough. Thank you for your work.
1: Yeah. Thank you for, um, celebrating it because it's, um, it, it really changes lives. It has changed my life because I had been in therapy for many years as most of my clients have been. And, and just chasing that next personal development workshop, just, just as I had been on the hamster wheel of achievement, checking off external boxes, this is what's going to make me Happy and fulfilled. helped me get there. Then I got in the hamster wheel of personal development. Next thing, next thing, and I was still stressed and not feeling completely happy and fulfilled. And so this awareness has changed my life. And and um, talking about compensation, um, uh, Shonda Rhimes also wrote so insightfully about this in her book "Year of Yes." She observed that the more successful she was becoming, the more miserable she was becoming. And she was just putting more food on top of that and gaining weight because in her words, successful and fat felt safer than just successful.
0: Yeah. What does that even, how do, okay, I don't understand that. Can you, but but do you understand it? Can you tell us why that makes sense?
1: Yeah. Well, uh, and weight is often so trauma creates defenses around it, something that. But like she felt stronger or like. Yeah, or or more, you know. um, It's like when she is so visible, so in the public eye, just killing it, right? Professionally, as a woman, as a woman of color. It's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure, and so um, gaining weight, or for some women, losing weight—that that's a that's such a loaded topic right there. But it's it's an expression of our nervous system just gearing up and producing so much cortisol. That uh, yeah, and ends so up we 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 don't feel safe, right? Subconsciously, we're constantly the stakes are so high. And then we, we try dieting, we try exercising, and we're quote-unquote failing, but it's because we're not addressing the underlying um, cause of stress, which is that trauma that needs to be resolved. So that's a, that's another wrinkle.
0: <laughs> Whoa. Man, we could talk about this for hours. I feel <laughs> right. Has Oprah come calling yet? Because I think this is definitely a super soul. This is super soul worthy, 100%.
1: Thank you. I'm going to send this episode to Oprah, make sure. Please do. Yeah, Oprah. Or no, she said so. I know.
0: She listens to me. What can I say? (laughs) Um, Yeah, she's right. She's a wise woman. (laughs) (laughs) Valerie, tell me about your upbringing. I'm really curious to know perhaps a a financial story that was pivotal to you as a a child, a young girl growing up.
1: That oh my gosh, uh, talking about trauma around finances, I was born and raised in the Soviet Union. And uh, for those who are not aware, um, private enterprise was illegal in the Soviet Union, so poverty was the baseline. <laughs> and it didn't matter how, how much you knew and uh, how much you contributed, everybody was getting same low base salary. So that was my my humble my humble beginnings and my first foray into entrepreneurship was <laughs> a classmate of mine really liked the cookies that my grandma made and asked me to bring some for her to that she would buy it from me and I did and I thought, and it felt so good. I was adding value <laughs> and she enjoyed the cookies. And then next thing I knew, I was called into the principal's office and then I was publicly shamed oh, wow. for, yeah, doing something terribly wrong. And I was like, well, how how could they think that felt so right and was adding value how is it so wrong so that was traumatic and that took me some time to work through in my own because I'm an entrepreneur now I'm a business owner so and I find that a lot of women I work with have some traumatic experience around money Uh, either watching their moms not have access to finances and their dad's controlling their finances. there's a lot of programming in there that's toxic and that's affecting our relationship with money from our subconscious
0: that's deep that's oh. and then when did you leave russia?
1: I was twenty two and i I came to New York City for two weeks as a as a volunteer on on this cultural exchange program, and I fell in love with the city. I just had this full body feeling this is my city and I applied for a job and I got it. It was the height of the dot-com bubble and they sponsored my visa and I called home and I said,
0: guess what? I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How about them cookies? Yeah, that's, I mean, hey, I mean, if you have the entrepreneur, entrepreneurial spirit, you come to New York, I mean, sparks fly.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I I finally could sell my cookies.
0: Well, it was, you said it was the height of the dot-com boom, so then mm-hmm. was there a downside to that story? Like a,
1: <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you, you know it. Uh, four or five months later, uh, the party ended quite abruptly, and the, the company went out of business, and uh, so my entrepreneurship began. I uh, eventually realized that I needed to go back to school, I, uh, and I really wanted to go to Columbia for my grad school. Uh, Because and I did face painting and street performing to put myself through school.
0: Are you kidding me? Okay, tell me about this chapter in your book.
1: Mm. (laughs) Yeah, it was just I was dating a guy at the time who was um, painting faces by the Central Park Zoo. He may still be there. I don't know.
0: What? Uh, (laughs) <laughs> and so and you, he, um, you just took on those side gigs. And how much money do you make painting faces?
1: Oh, you, you can make you make quite a bit uh, if you're good, if you're fast. And we traveled. so we worked the Central Park Zoo route and um, the, um, the Seaport, and we traveled different fairs. Uh, Mardi Gras was big, yeah. And uh, yeah, painting faces, boobs, you know, <laughs> what have you. <laughs> Um, it, it was fun it's, um, it, it's a good gig. It's, yeah. You know,
0: no shame mm-hmm. in those side hustles, especially when you're putting yourself through grad school. It, it,
1: and you know what? I, I, I took the cash that I made. So, um, it's kind of a roundabout way of paying for grad school. I first invested it in an apartment in um, Moscow that, um, uh, a few years later, quadrupled in price. And so that was the money that paid not only for my grad school, but also the down payment on the house.
0: Wow. Good for you. That was a yeah. good relationship. That that relationship <laughs> paid off, I think.
1: Yeah, that was awesome. But then I got married and uh, it's like taking a bite of the poisoned apple because patriarchy programming activated in me. And I I just started abdicating my financial decisions to my husband subconsciously. And I was smart about money before, and then I became stupid about money. I just completely gave, gave, it, gave over the reins.
0: And what was looking the price back, you paid for that? What was the oh, price?
1: No good. No good. No, it was a terrible, terrible thing to do. And now looking at research and seeing that millennial women, actually 61% of millennials and also 55% of Gen Xs, 54% of um, boomers... Uh, abdicate their financial decisions to their spouses women right yeah
0: yeah we're told we're not good with money we're good at spending
1: yeah i blame psd and of course lack of awareness like there's more than one thing but i know in me because i had been smart and then i became dumb why because some subconscious programming got activated a man is supposed to take care of me now right
0: I mean, let's be honest, the patriarchy also programs the guys Mm -hmm. in in a way that's not healthy and not necessarily what they want to be doing. I mean, let's let's be honest, you know, I want to be careful not to say that it's like men versus women that that I I find that as as I was writing my book, When She Makes More, I would interview all these men married to female breadwinners. And in the relationships that were working, the men were, you know, they – They understood that there were these sort of societal expectations of them, call it patriarchy, call it what you want, but – for them, they were so relieved that they weren't <clears throat> in this traditional relationship where they were suddenly where they were expected to because they were the yeah. man to make the money, support the household. What if you want to pursue a creative endeavor? What if you want to start a business? What if you want to be more, you know, at the forefront of parenting and, and be the stay-at-home dad? Having an unorthodox relationship, being that the wife makes more, was was so liberating to them, and they were so yeah. happy to be freed from the reins of. Of patriarchy, So I think Absolutely. that it goes both ways.
1: Absolutely. And yeah, men get their fair share of trauma there for sure. And it is liberating. And I find that when women uh, find my work and if they're in a relationship, they begin to get liberated within themselves. And then they see the need to evolve their relationship and their relationship can only evolve if they're. The other half, uh, if their partner also does the work, there's the healing work and it's joyful. I say work, but it's, it's like play it's reclamation. It's, um, these are the, the tools that we use are the tools that can be taught and to, like anybody can learn them and become their own healer, become their own therapist.
0: Well, last question, Valerie, as we are in the month of November, this is airing in November and it's a giving month. And I've done some research around being grateful and how it correlates to more financial Mm. security. I think there is, I mean, it makes sense when you think about when you're conscious, right, of what you have and your resources, you're more likely to care about them and want more of that. And therefore that Um, impacts how you go about with your savings and your debt payoff, et cetera, et cetera. So question for guests this month brought to us by our sponsor Chase for the podcast is what is something in your financial life that you're really grateful for?
1: Hmm. I'm really grateful to have savings now, to have a financial cushion that can allow me to take risks in my business and not be afraid that I'll be homeless.
0: (laughs) Affording yourself the ability to take on risks is priceless. Yes. Because how will you ever know if your life, it's the only way you're going to really have a fulfilled life, right? When you take those chances, you don't sit around thinking, what if?
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's part of the invisible in a prison. And um, that there's so much on the outside,
0: well, your book is wonderful, Patriarchy Stress Disorder. It's a book about mental health, but it's also, I think, a book that you can use and translate that into wh- whatever area of your life you're really looking to heal and improve, whether that is your finances, your relationship, your career, your relationship with yourself. Dr. Valerie Rain, thank you so much.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Farnoosh. And I just want to mention that I also have a podcast. Her success radio where you can hear more of these stories if that interests you and you you can join us down this rabbit hole (laughs) and
0: And hopefully see the other side of it get out on the other side exactly we'll be sure to put those links on our site thank you again thank you Thanks so much to Dr. Valerie Rain. To get the first chapter of her book for free, go to drvalerie.com forward slash book and check out her podcast, Her Success Radio. You can follow her on Instagram at drvalerierain, R-E-I-N. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody, and I hope your day is so money.